Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Hard to believe we're on episode 75 of the podcast. It's been a pleasure putting these together for you and hopefully they've helped you out with your pickleball game and more importantly, with your relationship with the game and enjoyment of pickleball as an important part of your life. This week's podcast, I want to talk about one of those truisms and I put that in quotes truisms that you hear out on the pickleball court forehand in the middle we are going to dissect that and hopefully explain to you how oftentimes that truism of forehand in the middle will lead you to the incorrect conclusion as to who should take the shot in the riff we're going to do an update or a check-in i should say of our weekly challenges we have three that are currently outstanding we're going to do a check-in and i'm going to share with you a concept that i came across in the video that i watched this last week that I think will help you understand how you need to reframe yourself if you want to see meaningful improvement in your pickleball play. Let's jump into the podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, I'm excited to announce our upcoming 2022 free mini-series. This is a mini-series that is going to radically alter your game. The mini-series will be presented in three parts. Each part will present to you a powerful principle that will help you eliminate frustration in your game and increase your confidence when you're playing on the court. In the first part of the mini-series, we are going to share with you a mind shift that you need to make if you're gonna play your best pickleball. This is something that is absolutely critical if you're gonna play your best pickleball out on the court. In the second part of the mini-series, we're gonna cover the most important shot in pickleball and we're gonna tell you how to hit it. In the third part of the mini-series, we are going to be covering pop-ups and showing you how to stop popping the ball up. In this mini-series, you're going to find out a lot of things that you don't know and how to fix them. In order to attend the mini-series, you must have a ticket. The tickets are first come, first serve until all tickets are gone. I'm going to link below to the direct registration so you can register for our free mini-series. Hope to see you there. All right, first thing we're going to talk about today is one of these truisms, and it's one of these things that you hear all the time out on the pickleball court, which is forehand in the middle. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a left-handed player. Oftentimes, I'm playing with right-handed players, and it's interesting to see their reaction when they figure out that my forehand is in the middle because now everybody's confused. Who's supposed to take the ball? I don't know because both our forehands are in the middle, so... Forehand in the middle there is absolutely no value to us as, as players. We cannot make decisions based on forehand in the middle because both forehands are there. But the reality is that forehand in the middle is much more pernicious than that. It, it, its impact on your game, its detrimental impact on your game, is much greater than simply when a left-handed player happens to be playing with a right-handed player. What I'm going to do is let's go through several different scenarios to show you specifically why Forehand in the middle will oftentimes not give you the correct answer. Let's start with a, a situation where you have a pop-up that sits up right in the center of your side of the court, meaning the ball is directly between you and your partner, and it's set up for a kill shot. Generally speaking, in this situation, forehand in the middle is probably going to be the right answer, um, particularly you know when you have two right-handed players or two left-handed players, that forehand shot is probably going to be the answer to the question of who should take that kill shot. And that's because players' forehands are generally, not always, and we're going to get into that, but generally the forehand is going to give them a better put away. But let's change the scenario a little bit and see how forehand in the middle holds up. So let's assume that the player on the right, 
the right-handed player on the right, has a backhand putaway that is better than the forehand putaway of the player who's on the left. In that case, who should take the shot? I hope you agree with me that in this case, the shot should be taken by the backhand put away, which is the better shot of the two, not the forehand put away, which is the weaker shot of the two. In that case, forehand the middle doesn't apply. Let's change it again. Let's say that the player on the right side of the court is left-handed, placing their forehand in the middle as well. As I mentioned earlier, when I play with other with right-handed players and we both have our forehands in the middle, who's supposed to hit that ball? Well, forehand in the middle is absolutely no use in that situation. Let's change that scenario one more time to really drive this, this particular scenario home. Let's assume that the player on the left, so the right-handed player on the left who's a, uh, whose forehand is in the middle, is four feet behind the non zone line, while the player on the right, and we'll make that player right-handed here so their backhand will be in the middle, is up at the NVZ line. The question here is who should take the shot? The player on the left or the forehand on the left uh, side of the court that's standing four feet off the line or the backhand that's on the right side that's step standing up at the NVZ line. As with the first shot I mentioned about who has a better shot uh, taking it, in this case, the player who's up closer to the NVZ line is generally going to have a better shot at a put away than a player who is standing four feet off the line. So in that case, where the player is standing relative to the shot and the net is going to be a bigger or a more important consideration than whose forehand is happens to be in the middle. Those three examples are examples of how forehand in the middle will either be useless in the case of a left-handed, right-handed player, or uh, be give you the wrong answer in the situation where you have a better backhand put away or where you have a forehand that is not up at the NVZ line relative to the backhand who's up there. Let's look at it in another scenario, which is, this is very common. This is the third shot uh, being hit by the serve team. This is one of the most common areas for mistake by the uh, forehand in the middle. That forehand in the middle causes some of the most mischief in the game is in, in the third shot. What happens there is oftentimes is the right-handed player who's standing on the left will come across the center line to take that third shot because it's their forehand. So they'll come two, three, four, sometimes even five or six feet over to hit that third shot from their forehand side. There's three reasons why that is not the best shot for their team. Number one, mechanically, it's a more difficult shot. The player trying to hit the the, the third shot with their forehand across the center line is having to reach away from their body. That's a more difficult shot than the shot that needs to be hit by the player who's already on that side of the court, even if it's their backhand, because their foundation, the, their, the basis from which they're going to hit the shot is going to be more sound. They're going to be in a better position to be able to hit the ball with a solid foundation as opposed to being supposed to reaching away from their body. The second reason that's a mistake is because it opens up the left side of the court. As the player on the left side comes over to the right to take a shot, it opens up that part of the court. Sometimes it'll just be a put away on that side after on the next shot. Sometimes it'll it'll if it, you'll see the effects later on in the rally, but that destabilization of the position of the serve team by the player on the left going over to the right can cause some real harm to the uh, team's success. And the last reason is because the player who should have taken the third shot is now pinned behind the player who came across to take the third shot. 
What that means is now, instead of being a team of two players where you have two players, each who can act independent of the other and impact the game, meaning if a good third shot is hit, the other player could go up and finish it and put the ball away. Now you have a player who's effectively taken out of the rally for that for that shot, is out of commission, and cannot participate in the shot or in the rally. If the other player, if the player on the right is allowed to take the third shot, the player on the left remains active, remains engaged, and can influence the next shot in the rally. Whereas when the player on the left goes over to the right to take the third shot, they pin the player on the right back and that player is effectively out of the rally while the shot is taken. This is an example of, an, of a, another area where forehand in the middle will lead you to the wrong conclusion. Let's look at one more to really drive this home. We're going to look at covering the middle. There are millions of points given up every year in pickleball because players do not cover the middle. What they're not doing is they're not protecting the middle when they're the non-returner. They're not protecting that middle spot while their partner, the returner, is moving up to the MBZ. What happens is if you're playing a team that understands the game and understands how to take advantage of that, what they're going to do is any opportunity that they get when there's a returner that hasn't made it up to the MBZ is they're going to try and attack that player and attack that middle. If the non-returner, the player of the NVZ, doesn't understand how to cover that middle, that is going to create, wreak havoc, I should say, for the return team. So the question now becomes, if the player up at the, the non-returner, the player at the NVZ line, has their backhand in the middle, but the other player has their forehand in the middle, even though they haven't made it up to the NVZ line, who should take that ball down the middle? The answer is clearly... The, the non-returner, the player at the NBZ line, should take that shot. And when I say clearly, I'm going to say like 95% of the time, that player should take the shot. But what happens is because of this forehand in the middle idea, this, this erroneous truism about uh, forehand in the middle, the player up at the NBZ oftentimes will let that ball go across their backhand through the middle and subject their partner to attack when they're not at the NBZ line. Instead of doing that, the better approach is to make sure you cover that middle and avoid that attack reaching your partner, even if it's their forehand. Again, another example of how forehand in the middle can lead to the incorrect conclusion. So if forehand in the middle isn't the right answer, then what, what's, the, what's a better approach? A better approach is to ask yourself, what, was the what is the best shot for my team in any given situation? If you go back to the different scenarios we, we looked at, whenever we look at that scenario, if we ask the question, what's the best shot for my team to take? That will lead you to the correct answer. Cover the middle, for example. It's generally going to be better for the player at the up at the NVZ line to take the balls that are coming across the middle as opposed to letting him go past them and attack and, and reach their partner who has, isn't up at the NVZ line. So the, if the answer, so that, asking the question, What's the best shot for my team? We'll get you to the right answer, which is that the player, the non-returner, the player at the NBZ line should take that shot and not let that shot go. These are the sorts of things that CJ and I work on and we are pickable all the time. We try and come up with ways to help you better analyze the game and better and ask questions that are more productive and are going to lead you to the better conclusion more often than not. One of the things that's really important as you play pickable is to is to be aware of these sort of truisms like forehand in the middle that you're gonna hear when you're playing pickleball. 
The players sharing those concepts generally mean well. They're trying to impart what they understand to be the correct way to play pickleball, or not correct, but the best way to play pickleball, or the optimal way to play pickleball. And you have to be careful of those, particularly if you don't yet have the knowledge to counter them. You know, if you if you're not if your knowledge of pickleball isn't quite there yet, where you can look at that kind of statement and say, well, no, that doesn't really work, and here's why. You want to at least you know you want to you want to tread with care in those situations, and what you want to make sure is that you're getting your information from sources you trust. An example is you know CJ and I are both you know full time pickleball professionals. We spend our time studying this game. Uh, we're both experienced and knowledgeable about pickleball, and so when we bring you information about pickleball, you can trust that the information has been well thought out, um, has been challenged and considered. And we're giving you the information um, because it has passed those tests and it's information that you can rely on. In the riff, we're gonna chat about, uh, we're gonna check in actually on the uh, weekly challenges and see how you're doing with those. And then we're gonna talk about a concept that I came across in a video that I think will really help you as you try and frame out how to improve as a pickleball player. Stay tuned for the riff. Most pickleball players spend a lot of time thinking about and comparing pickleball paddles. But you know what's more important than a pickleball paddle? Your shoes. Are you wearing the right kind of shoes to play pickleball in? If you're not sure, consider trying out shoes that are designed and made specifically for pickleball. Tyrol shoes are the shoes that CJ and I both wear out on the pickleball court. Remove any doubt about whether the shoes you're wearing are right for pickleball. Check out Tyrol shoes, I'll put a link in the show notes. Protect your most valuable asset out there, your body, with the right shoes. Wear the right shoes and play longer on the court. The last few weeks, we've shared with you several challenges. And, you know, the challenges have been aimed at the athletic pillar of pickleball. If you're familiar with us, you know that we follow the three pillars of pickleball uh, that we devise to help pickleball players improve their games. In the athletic pillar, it's the body and the mind. And we gave you three challenges aimed at working on your body. The first challenge that we gave you had to do with balance. Balance is just such an important part of playing pickleball the best you can. But more than that, it's an important part of life. As we age, we start uh, our balance and our mobility and things like that start to suffer. And so if you can spend some time working on your balance, you'll really reap the benefits on and off the pickleball court. The second challenge we gave you had to do with walking 30 minutes a, a day, about three or four times a week if you could do it. And that was cardio for your hips, for everything, your whole body. Your whole body will benefit from walking. And the last uh, challenge that we gave you had to do with identifying a part of your body that needed some attention. For me, it's my back. That needed some attention and working on it. So this is a check-in to make sure that you're working on your balance, that you're working on your walking, or walking, I guess I could say, and that you're working on your body. If you if you've uh, if you've fallen off the wagon on those, that's perfectly fine. Make sure you get back on them and keep on working on your balance, your walking, and on that part of your body, whatever that is that needs special attention. This last week, in my study of videos and things like that, I came across a video that talked about personal improvement, improving just as a as a human being, uh, improving in life, and I thought it had definite application to pickleball, so I wanted to share it with you. And the idea was this, basically. The idea was that you may have an instruction, I can give you an instruction manual for how to improve certain aspects of pickleball, right? So I can give you an instruction manual on how to hit a better third shot drop. 
I can give you an instruction manual on how to hit a better serve and things like that. But that if you really want, but if you really want to change, the instruction manual is alone isn't going to be enough. If you really want to change, if you really want to improve as a as, in anything, but in this case pickleball, you really have to. You have to work on your mindset. You have to work on how you approach it and how you think about it. That's an area where CJ and I spend a lot of our time focused on. Obviously, we focus on the mechanics and the mechanical pillar and things that you need in order to hit better shots and and those types of things. But we also spend a lot of time on the athletic pillar, including the body that I mentioned earlier, but also the mind and helping you better define how it is that you're improving better better define your relationship with the game including in fact with the main part of today's uh, podcast which had to do with these uh, you know erroneous truisms that we hear about forehand in the middle and give you a better framework from which to approach pickleball and not just the game itself but your relationship with pickleball and how you're enjoying the game so as you move forward with your relationship with the game and as you move forward as a pickleball player, don't forget the mind part of the uh, equation. Don't forget that important third athletic pillar of the game as you continue to work on your game. So I hope this podcast was helpful to you. hope you enjoyed it. hope you've had a great week and hope you have a great week coming up. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it wherever you listen to it. And as always, if you like the podcast, Please share it with your friends. If you enjoyed it, they probably will too. Be well, and we'll see you next week.